1: hello good evening dennis how are you i'm okay mate it's and it should be sir dennis and welcome all to aston villa through the years morty's (laughs) mixtapes on this episode dennis we're going to be talking about gordon taylor ronnie biggs and sugarloaf mountain (laughs) The Super League, the Youth Cup, your game, your final at Coventry City. So we're going to go back in time. We're also going to go back in time and we're going to start 40 years ago, the 2nd of May 1981, when after a 71 year wait, Aston Villa got crowned champions of England.
2: You make us sound old. We are. (laughs) <laughs> we are, but we are, but but right.
1: time flies yes. so quickly, delish. Dennis. What I Absolutely. have to also say is I'm loving your mixtapes. And for people that that think, well, why is Gabby called it Morty's mixtapes? It evolves around football and music and your love of music, your love of football. The mixtapes that you've you've sent me. We can't play any music on the podcast, but no. I attach the music to the podcasts and one song in particular that I'm absolutely loving is party time men by the futures and yeah. at five o'clock or just after five o'clock that day, because the kickoff was delayed. You were party time men, wasn't
2: you? Good, good segue.
1: Yes, yeah. absolutely.
2: Yeah. I loved a bit. I loved a bit halfway through when you get the Benny Hill <laughs> uh, theme song. I, yeah. and, 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 I'm just trying to think what came first, the Benny Hill or, or the or the futures? Yeah, uh, I think the...
1: definitely Benny Hill because I remember watching Benny as a kid. Yes. I do yes. believe that song came out in 1978, so yes. that was that was in the second mixtape because you did send me a collection of songs that evoked memories of the uh, the championship winning team, was mm. uh, season. Uh, for instance, uh, "Rock With You" by uh, by Michael Jackson, Love Will Find A Way by Lionel Richie, Holding Back The Years by Simply Red and Rock Me Tonight for Old Time's Sake by Freddie Jackson, which I have to say, I used to work in a nightclub in the early 80s and that was a staple. And Andy Gray also used to have a nightclub in the 80s, so we might just talk touch upon the Holy City Zoo as well, but let's yeah. start at Highbury and the build-up to that game, Saturday the 2nd of May, Aston Villa needed just a point, you didn't get the point, but ultimately Bosco Yankovic scored a couple of late goals and Villa didn't need nothing, in fact you actually
2: didn't need to turn up that day. Well, we didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we we very nearly didn't because we got stuck on the motorway as well. Right. Yeah, if, because we, you know, it was it was unusual really because we we we'd normally go down the night before if we were playing in London, mm-hmm. uh, but for some reason Ron decided not to go down on the on the. I, I don't know whether he just felt that it would be better for the guys to just relax at yes. home and, uh, you know, not not be thinking about it. But, you know, when you've gone through a season where every game you played, it was exactly the same feeling, yeah, whether you were staying at home or playing away. You know, we, we, we would all have those thoughts of, well, you know, are we going to go out and make a mess of it, or are we going to go out there and win a game? So, you know, going down, for me, I think it was a mistake to go down uh, on the day because... I think everyone i think i don't think anyone realized how many fans were going to travel that way yeah and the motorway was just chock-a-block we we actually i i mean the coach driver we didn't have a we didn't have a police coordinator or you know sort of anyone helping us get there but we should we we probably needed to get one because in the end the bus driver you know he was cajoled to go down the hard shoulder yeah to get past the traffic you know now we could have been pulled over by the cops and that would have been even later <laughs> getting to the Imagine ground. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and it was, uh, you know, and we're just sitting there because obviously our, our focus is on the game. Uh, but, but also we've got this, this, uh, both, uh, a jam of cars. Yeah. Mm. Practically all the way from Northampton going to London. Yeah. Uh, it was just chock-a-block. Yeah. And, uh, we made we did make a mistake, I reckon, on that day from the point of view going down there. But I, I don't think it, it, it didn't affect our performance. I think you know our performance is is, is what we put in, really. You know, and uh, I think Paul. A lot of people don't realise that Arsenal finished third that season.
1: They were a good team. Yeah, yeah.
2: they were a very good team. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and they uh, they beat Ipswich as well just previous to beating mm-hmm. us. So they 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 weren't no fools. But uh, I, I think the expectation was, you know, to win the game and make everything so, so easy, you know, for because uh, God knows what it would have been like if we'd have, if, if Switch had beaten Middlesbrough and we'd have had to have waited another week, yeah, to see if we were champions. Now, I think that would have been uh, difficult to take. Yeah, mm. I think that would have been tough. But what, I mean, when you look at it, you know, and you, you reflect back on it, we won, we won more games than them. Uh, the last game of the season didn't really matter, I suppose, from a, a romantic point of view uh, to have got a win uh, would have, would have really sealed it you know and uh, or even a draw yeah even a draw
1: but in our Britain. series uh, class of 81 and we, uh, we we did that podcast you actually won more games than the defending champions Liverpool yes you won one more game. In yes. your captain's log, in, in the wonderful book that you have, Aston Villa, First Division Champions, 1980-81, 40th anniversary tribute book, captain's log, we lost this, match, lost this match, but we won the title. For many Villa supporters, you lost that battle, but you won the war. It didn't matter. The season started uh, back in August. It yes. finished in May. And you won more games than anybody else. You were champions of England. End of.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Rod mentioned it very early on in the season that if you win twenty six games, yeah, which we did, which was the norm. Yeah, if you win twenty six games, you you you've got a good chance of winning the league, and yeah. that was the uh, that was the, the the level that Liverpool were at. You know, winning twenty six games and going from there, but. You know, I, I for any fan, yeah, and being part of that. The only thing I can say is that it's it's we apologize that we couldn't get to see you this season. Yeah. Yes. Because you know, we had such we had such plans with the A V forty to to be out there, you know, and, and mixing with you guys and, and you know, going through all the memories and you know, finding out, you know, what you were doing and you know how you got to matches and you know listening to your stories and you listening to our stories again and and that was what av40 was going to be all about but we we said we hope that we can we can get started with av40 you know once the we get lift off from the uh the covid but uh you know we're still keen to get out there and, and talk to the fans and uh as we mentioned before, you know we we do go into the fourth year of when we won the the European Cup. So there's a there's a double celebration going on, Paul. As we mentioned before, but uh, those fans who were were there, you know, at Arsenal and everything, we're, were really keen, you know, to sort of uh, remember what you had to say, and and you know the the kind of thoughts that were going through your minds when you there you are standing on the the clock end and you are jammed in yeah and um, you know you're all you're all listening to your radios <laughs> and uh, and that's how the message came down to us really on the pitch with ten minutes to go so you know it's, uh we started to get a bit sort of uh, squeaky bum time when that we knew we did that you know uh, Middlesbrough winning and we could see the crowd climbing over the wall and standing behind the goal yeah and we thought well this is going to be pandemonium when the bell, when the whistle goes. So it was important that we were ready to get off the pitch. Not that we wanted to, but it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been easiest for us to get off the pitch afterwards. I don't think Paul, if we'd have stayed on it because the fans would have just been going crazy. And, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the number of pats on the back probably would have gave us a bad back for the, the rest the next, you know, for the rest of the week following that. But, uh, but no, it was a it was a it was a great day, irrespective of the result, because you know we we we'd got the win. Well, we hadn't got the win, but we 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 got through the season. We'd finished our last game, and uh, we knew we were champions. So it was great afterwards, uh, you know, celebrating that.
1: Absolutely, and. And in the book, I'm going to give the references uh, to all the the Twitter and Facebook pages that that you have. But I just want to look at, you've got the captain's log because you did the captain's log and the book is fantastic and you do write about every game and your thoughts about those games. It's got some wonderful pictures at the the bottom on that page um, of your captain's log when you played Arsenal. Gary Shaw really, did have a haircut, didn't he? That day, he's, he's standing next to you and, well, Peter with and, and yourself with a bottle of champagne in his left hand, shawzy, which yes. is um, pretty typical of Gary. He did like a toss. <laughs> 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 no. um, but you look at the league table, and let's just dwell on that for a moment. Aston Villa played 42. You're right, 126. Ipswich Town did have that game in hand because they still had one game to play. They did get beat. So they played yes. 42 and won yes. only 23 games. So they won yes. three games less than you. Arsenal, great team. You're right. Finished third. But they only won 19 games. So they they won like seven games less than you guys. Yes. And the Albion won 20. Yes. Six games yes. less. Yes. Nottingham Forest finished fifth. And Southampton would have made up what we know today as the Champions League places. They only won 19. So with all Mm. the top six there, Villa won three more than second, four more than... uh, Sorry, three more than than second, six more than fourth, and the rest were 19. So seven more than the rest of them. You know, you scored, um, in fact... Ipswich did score a couple of goals more than you guys. Yeah, they scored a, few more, a couple of
2: goals more, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And, and your that, that goals
1: against were exactly yes. the same, but they did yes. concede a few more in the last game of the season. So, you know, you won more games than them. You were the champions. Facebook... AV40 40th Anniversary Tribute page. On Twitter, it's AV40T. And the website that ties it all together is AV40Tribute.com. Now, you're right, Dennis. It will be 40 years when you won the European Cup because in them days, the winners of the league went into the European Cup unless you won it, as Liverpool did. And they also entered the European Cup that season that, that you won it. When will you be given the green flag to go out and meet the supporters? Have you any wind of that yet, or is it just watch this space?
2: Yeah, I think it's just watch this space. Yeah. you know we're, we're 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 chomping at the bit or chomping at yeah. the bit, whatever, whatever it is. And we, you know, the lads are desperate. Yeah, you know, to get out because they they they're missing they're missing that that connection with the fans because you know as, as you. You probably know we, you know, the the guys are up at the ground uh, when when we can get to we when we could get to the ground doing our corporate hospitality bit, and we've not been able to do that. But that's the time when we do mix with the fans and we we talk to the old and the new, yeah. So we try to we try to tell you know it's quite interesting when you've got the old and they've got a grandson or something, yeah. And you have to explain (laughs) to the to the grandson, yeah. yeah. You have to explain to the grandson that aston villa in 1980 81 82 actually won the league in european cup and the kid will look at you and think to yourself what do you mean you won the european cup when when did aston villa win that yeah because they they, they're not they're not keeping up with the history you see 40 years on Mm. you know you've got to buy a right you've got to buy the right books to find that history yeah you know from the point of view of, of what's been written about villa and um, and obviously this you know today there's obviously so much written about the modern teams yeah with the with all the you know the twitters the facebooks the 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 you know all the all the uh, what's the name all the television programmes like Sky and mm-hmm. BT you know they they want so much coverage but what well, sometimes they miss the young ones and the younger ones coming through to the game is that they sometimes miss the history. Of what the football club's all about, and uh, you need to just check that out occasionally, you know. And and it's it's quite surprising, you know. When we you know that when you when we we speak to the fans, you know, how how the younger ones just sort of uh, don't remember or or have never been told, you know, mm-hmm. about about that, that that fantastic time. But uh, this is why we were open. This would would be something that we could really sort of connect with the fans again, you know, sort of forty years on. Uh, and, and that we would bring, we would open at it. would then bring the younger ones in as well, because obviously they would probably go with the the dads, or they'd go with the granddads, you know, to come out and, and 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 listen to us, and and you know, listen to the the answers we were given to the questions and everything, and talk to us afterwards, you know, and get autographs and everything, because that's what it's all about. I'm sure lots of people have got uh, something that they want to get autographed from those days. Yeah, a ticket a programme or something, you know, and uh, having all the players there at the same time, it would give them a great opportunity for uh, to get things autographed and uh, make it a real memento, you know, from those days.
1: Absolutely. There is an autograph um, on the Arsenal versus Aston Villa uh, ticket uh, from 1981, the 2nd of, of May. Have a guess how much the ticket was. And, and bearing in mind now, Arsenal, you almost have to remortgage your house to buy a ticket. Yes, you <laughs> have yeah. you seen, Can you remember how much the ticket was? And and a news autograph was it on the ticket? Because I know you had a lot of input, didn't you, into uh, doing this book with uh, with Jim Cadman, and you've done the foreword as well. So it's pretty much your baby as well as Jim's, isn't it? This book. It,
2: yeah, very much so. You know, it was a, it was a joint collaboration really. With yeah. You know, I mean, it's been didn't the experience that we needed and I'm, I'm just getting the book out here I was gonna say <laughs> you did you
1: did seem to go away from me Dennis the yeah, yeah, no I'm, I'm guessing you was I'm, doing yeah, that <laughs> yeah
2: I'm just, I'm just going in so I can have a look at that ticket yeah right, see if I can remember oh, it looks like uh, looks like thatddy Shaw. okay yeah well.
1: I mean, it looks yeah. like Coco the Clown. To be fair, I yeah. mean, <laughs> it's,
2: yeah, it, it actually could be. Yeah, it could be Alan Evans. Let's oh, okay. Let me just have a look now. At my, I've got the, my autograph sheets out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such, I'm such a nerd. Yeah, with these kind of things, Alan Evans. Yeah. It's Alan Evans. It could actually be Alan Evans. Well, it looks nothing like Alan. Know, it looks like
1: four noughts, yes. doesn't it, or circles. And, uh, yeah.
2: But, you yeah. know,
1: if it's Alan Evans, it's Alan, Alan, it's Alan little, Evans.
2: Okay. No one's okay. going
1: to sign that on a check, are they, to be quite no, true? Actually, actually, it could
2: even be Gordon Cowens. Yeah. Okay. No, that's right. Yeah, Actually, it, this could oh. be, it's not Alan, it could be Gordon Cowans. that one.
1: Yeah. And the price on it one pound eighty. Probably. One 80. Yeah, it's yeah. One of one of the yeah. most enjoyable one pound eighty that Villa supporters have spent to follow Aston Villa. And Pele was even there at the uh, at the ground, wasn't he, that day?
2: Apparently, yeah. Yeah, I there's mean,
1: a picture in the book, yeah, isn't no, there, of uh, Pele, yeah?
2: I... We we totally missed him because he wasn't part of our agenda. Bro, okay, yeah. he never comes
1: he... to congratulate you at the end. No, and outrageous. No. <laughs> I
2: don't know. He, he he probably had to get to somewhere else because he, he probably but, he, he he probably had another appearance somewhere. Yeah, yeah. you know, which these people, people like him. You know, they, I don't think they stay in place to one place too long. Uh, no. I think uh, Pele, you know, what a, you know, what a name, Pele. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's different from Pepe who plays for Arsenal at the moment. Yeah. Because, yeah. but, but Pele, it is, it is synonymous with sort of, uh, with that man, with a man who is the best footballer in the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he seems to be a bit of a gentleman as well, you know, and, uh. Which which could actually lead to the Copa Pele. It certainly could do. We, we
1: <laughs> will talk about the Copa Pele yes. uh, next. But I want to go more in-depth, Dennis. I want to do a lot more podcasts with you because we scratch surfaces in, in, yes. in this. Um, and I want to go more in-depth. There's um, a story about Ronnie Biggs on Sugarloaf Mountain. So I think that it would only be right to talk about Ronnie in yeah. uh, in, in this podcast as well. But before we leave Aston Villa 40 years ago, you referenced a load of books. Uh, the Odd Man Out, fascinating story of Ron Saunders' reign at Aston Villa by Graham Denton. Ticket to the Moon, Aston Villa, The Rise and Fall of European Champions by Richard Sydenham. Um, there is a Greatest Games of Aston Villa by James Driver Fisher. There's a lovely piece by um, by David Harrison in Backpass magazine this yes. month. Well, it's, it usually comes out every couple of three months. Um, issue number 74. And there's also going to be another book written by my pal Colin Abbott, Barton's Army that's obviously about when you conquered Europe. And and I love the picture that he's got on the front. It's Dad's Army with all the the references to where Villa went and conquered. So I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to Colin's book. And also, Colin's working tirelessly on the 80s book. Tell me. Oh, that that, that bloke. Him and Turnstile, they've educated me. I am not an Aston Villa supporter, but Mm. I have to say... I'm um, really interested in what Aston Villa did between that time of Tommy Doherty to uh, the end of Ron Saunders. To think that in 1971 you were in Division Three, and then in 1981 won the now league. No remember, re- remember phenomenal. P-
2: Paul, when, remember now when you say we were in. Yeah, division three and seventy one. I wasn't.
1: No, neither was <laughs> I. I was watching Birmingham no. City.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was, you was I, a I, I was actually I was in that I was in division one. I know you were, yeah. yeah. I yeah. was in division one at the time, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was one of the, the weirdest things of all really was when I joined the Villa because I and I've said it before, I knew very little about them. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'd seen them I think it was the, the League Cup. You know when they, they got to the final against Norwich, and I remember seeing them. I think it was Chester in the in the uh, yes,
1: I remember that game
2: semi final. I remember seeing that on the television because there wasn't many games on the. television. It was on Sports Night,
1: wasn't yeah. it? That game against yeah, Chester. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, it
2: probably was. Yeah, yeah, it probably was. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I would say probably you know what Villa Villa were the second division, and Chester were I don't know they might have been the fourth division. Probably, yeah, could
1: have been, yeah.
2: Probably, you know, mm-hmm. so. It was uh, that was you know an, an interesting game to play uh, to 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 uh, have on the television, but uh, but I remember, you know I tend to remember that yeah because I think uh, I think Brian Little was there and I think it was was interested in the, his long air <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know his his his, uh, his 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 sweet cut you remember you remember the the sweet yes. yeah yeah what was his name Brian Conley
1: Brian who... Conley <laughs> wasn't it yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was the Brian. B- Buster. The... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, It was, it was, it was, funny, but, uh, but no, it was. Yeah, I, I suppose that was an interesting time when Tommy Doc was there because it was. I think it was Doug Ellis, wasn't he, around then as well.
1: I would imagine so. Yes, because Doug, Doug, some guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Doug. Doug liked yeah. to fire managers, didn't they? he? Did, Doug, yeah. Doug yeah. liked his own way, and um, mm. you know, I, I, I guess. You know, you, you have got an Aston Villa stand there um, that, that goes by the Doug Ellis stand. I would take that name often, whether you want to call it the class of 81. But I, I think that there should be some reference to the greatest achievement that Aston Villa have ever had, winning the league and winning the European Cup. It's the greatest feat. in, in We've been playing football in this region, in the Midlands, since the uh, mid-1800s. Nobody's ever done that. You guys done that. That's a special achievement. And I think that should be honoured properly. If I owned Villa, that's what I would do. I'd also have a statue of you guys outside Villa Park next to um, McGregor.
2: You know, you're not a billionaire, though. You see.
1: Sadly, I ain't got a pot to piss in, Dennis. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that, that is the big problem now of owning a football club, especially in the top end. You need yeah. to be a billionaire. Yeah,
1: yeah. But you also should look at your history. And yes, we should. And, and if you own that club, I think you should buy into that history. And I don't mean financially, but you should understand the fabric of that football club, what it means to the supporters and what the honours, the achievements have been. Because that's what makes a football club, not a team, but a club. All of you players... that that were around in them days should be around these days in corporate hospitality, meeting the supporters, because fans love to. I find it absolutely amazing that fans do not understand what a fantastic achievement you guys uh, achieved all those years ago. I, I can't get my head around that.
2: No, we, you know, as players, we talk about it quite a bit, really. You know, uh, about about you know how we should be recognised at the football club yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah. And and what we what we talk about, and this is what I've been talking with Jim about as well, Jim Cadman. Yes. Yeah. Because Jim's had a Jim's had, you know experience of of, of putting uh, statues up. You know the three degrees yeah. in West Bromwich. Yeah, Jim's a good uh, lad. Yeah. Uh, what's the name? Uh, Duncan Don Revy, you know it leads. Oh, he, Robert, he you behind that as well. Yeah, he got a statue for, for for Don Revy. Yeah, he was behind that one. Yeah, so and and you know I've spoken to him about you know what what would be a good tribute to us and and what we've come up with really is 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 a commemorative plaque, yeah, yeah. which we think should be put on the wall then outside the ground, uh, in bronze, yeah. A 3d image of all the players faces yeah. you know sort of po- poking out with the two trophies yeah sort of poking out as well and uh, that would be both squads all on one plaque yeah and you know to me that, that that's what we that's what we talk about yeah, yeah. because uh we, we uh we just feel that it's we just feel that it's it's the right time to do it you know uh but we can only be we can only be governed by the club and what they think and yeah. what they feel and you know their wishes and everything. It's all it's all down to them. It's not down to us. Yeah, but we would hope we would hope that you know if once we start getting back out there and everything, we could start you know sort of uh, charging the fans really with this kind of information. Because mm. you remember when Ron died, yeah, and yeah. Uh, there was a lot of support sort of voicing. That there should be a plaque or a statue of Ron put up or something I would agree. Memory. I would agree. And, and you know, and there was a lot of there was a lot of talk at the time about it, but you know, it 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 just died it died a death really. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with COVID, because it, it, the play, the fans couldn't really keep pushing it from the mm-hmm. point of view of, of of like, you know, if you turn up at a game on a on a on a match day, you know, you would see the chief executive, you would see some of the people involved with aston villa you know walk in the you know the sort of uh, the corridors of the restaurants and everything and mm-hmm. you know you could go and tap them on the shoulder and say well what are you doing about ron sodas and you know ask the question you know it's 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 an important question to ask for me from my point of view because i i, I think you know as you mentioned before you know people like ron who who, who brought so much success to the football club deserve to be yeah, deserved to be yeah, recognised by the football club in a big way. Yeah, not a chairman who, as far as I'm concerned, was just you know one of those guys who just felt that he was bigger than the football club. Mm. Yeah, and he and and so that contributed to him then thinking that he should have a stand named after him. But you know, this I don't know whether we can get anything done about that. But certainly, if there was ever a, an opportunity where the fans wanted to rebel against it and everything, you know, you've got me behind you as well. But the problem is, is that there's too many fans who remember him and, you know, don't remember Ron. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's, it's like the team of uh, 1980, 81, you know, if you were to ask young players of today, you know, name the captain. Yeah. You know, unless they've done some homework, you would probably find it difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, we're not we're not people who are you know we're not people who are out there all the time sort of pushing our ourselves. Yeah, we're not we're not on television. We don't we're not we're not asked about Aston Villa. You know, I, I find it quite interesting these days that you know very few people will ask any of our team you know for a comment about what's going on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. you know about you know players coming in, players going out. You know how the team playing you know what do you think of everything you know so we we, we, we we don't seem to get that but i do read when i'm on the internet i do see plenty of of ex-filler players who are putting opinions out there you know who are uh, a lot younger than us yeah and their names are still a bit more synonymous with the club uh, and mm. they get they they get a voice on uh on on, on the internet uh, But but we don't know. Yeah, we're, we're sort of uh, we've we've fallen by the wayside. But certainly, certainly a commemorative plaque, I think, would be the ideal thing that would be put on the wall, yeah, to uh, to commemorate. And I, I would hope, you know, that that could be that could be something that we get done uh, in the next few years because I, I really do feel that it's deserved.
1: A hundred percent, Dennison and, and in reference to. You know some of you, you, you guys in in the, the two squads, or you know I mean, Run really pretty much built a couple of squads there, didn't he? Because 1976-77 yes. season, you could argue that Aston Villa is probably better than the the 1980-81 squad, or it would run it a very very close equal. Then yes. you were very very close in terms of winning the treble for the first time in Aston Villa's glorious history and and that's what happens because you don't win and we said this on the first podcast that, that we did because you don't win it actually gets forgotten but it shouldn't get forgotten because you were so close you probably just played too many games in the League Cup you got to the final, obviously, and won it against Everton. You had the uh, the, the uh, Mammoth semi-finals against um, Queen's UPR. Park Rangers. And, mm-hmm. and just probably just ran out of steam. But again, when you look at what you did in that season... It was groundbreaking and, and all that was you know, down to Ron saunders. And and I think that these memories should never be forgotten. And also any of you guys, because I am doing a regular podcast with you. I'm working on Shorsley to be the next one. I've done Tony Good. Morley. Tony yes. Morley, what an absolute ledge. And and can I say, one of the funniest guys I've ever interviewed. He had me in stitches telling him all <laughs> like super the characters that you had in that dressing room and and around dressing rooms again shouldn't be forgotten. But any of you guys that want to do something that's more up to date I'll phone you up after games and we can put your views out and we can get them out on social media because I would rather listen to Dennis Mortimer and Tony Morley and Gary Shaw and players that I okay. I used to go down Birmingham City and watch the blues. All my friends were Villa supporters and I suppose there's an argument that when we started playing football and going to the big school, I should have gone down Villa Park with all my mates that I played football with. But yeah. I'm very, very aware of how great Aston Villa were because I had it thrown down my mouth, you know, every every day at school. But so any of you guys that want to do that and be involved in the now... I am more than happy to do anything that I can for you guys and help you as much as what I can.
2: You know, there's only one big problem about that, Paul, is that, yep. you know, whenever you, you go on there and, and you, you try to be honest. Yep. There's certain people don't like you being Absolutely, honest. Absolutely, yeah. And, and it, it becomes it becomes a difficult thing then because you it, it can sound sometimes like sour grapes. But no, it's not. I, it's not, we know that. Yeah, Paul, yeah. you and I know that. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. We know that. But, but you know, you, you you tend to find that football clubs don't like bad publicity. They don't like players being, uh, sort of, or people, ex-players, talking about the way they're playing and, you know, and, and how the team performing Because it's uh, sometimes... You know, fans fans will listen to us sometimes, but they they'll make their own opinion as well because they'll, they'll always think that the sun shines out of the backside of the team that's playing at the moment. And of course they, do, yeah. they they can they can never do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. But when things do go wrong, yeah, it's 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 when you know the fans sometimes need to be honest with themselves yep. around the displays that the team are putting in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you know, you can't you know i i look at the internet after every game you know when the villa play and i i see remarks being put on by you know people who are on the internet and all that and you know and and names that seem to sort of uh, the fans know you know because they are always the same ones and i mm-hmm. and, and it, i just i just read so much rubbish at you know after yeah. time you know about what people are saying and uh, but, but sometimes people are talking from an emotive point of view. You know, yeah. it's it's all about 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 their team and what they feel like. You know, uh, you know. I mean, it'd be quite easy for me to criticise Liverpool, yeah, because yeah. I don't. I'm I'm not I'm not an ex Liverpool player or a you know. A, and but I've, I've I've got plenty to say because I'm from Liverpool. Yeah. I supported Liverpool. My family at Liverpool, and we do you do that. But but as soon as you start saying anything. That might be detrimental, yeah, to the team you played for. Yeah, then sometimes you, you get frowned upon. Uh, yeah, you do, not, yeah. not by the fans, mm-hmm. but by the club. Yeah, I think and, it's a uh, double
1: whammy, Dennis. I think you get yeah. frowned upon by the fans and from the football club.
2: You can do. You I, remember,
1: can do. I mean, I do yeah. a lot of work with uh, with Alan Hudson. Um, And, you know, people will comment and say, oh, it's only one or two. All all Udy ever does is badmouth us. Well, no, he doesn't. Udy tells the truth. Udy's one of the most honest person that I've ever, ever known. I mean, when when Chelsea won the uh, FA Cup in 1970, uh, they had a reunion. There last year because it was the 50th anniversary ever or was, was it 60? I mean my maths isn't very good, but yeah. it was a long time ago, Dennis. A long time ago, 1970. Yeah. But Alan Hudson didn't get an invite to Stamford Bridge. All the others were there, but he wasn't.
2: Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? Really? It
1: is. Yeah, it's an absolute yeah. disgrace. But that's how football clubs and football fans sometimes are. But you have to. I think you have to just rise above that, and you know. Your opinion, Alan Hudson's opinion, winners' opinions hold more water than than players or ex-players that have won nothing.
2: Well, I, I think I think you know you, you you all you try to be is honest. Absolutely, that's, yeah. all, you, that's yeah. all you want to be. You just mm-hmm. want to be honest, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, There's and, no celebrating. And, and, yeah, yeah and I, I Even when I watch the television, and watch match of the day, I, I just find sometimes the, the the you know the ex-players are, they're not really. You know, sort of. I feel saying what they want to say. Of course, they're not. I they're think, anti-tied, I, I, anti-tied, yeah. They're anti-tied. Yeah, yeah. It's you, know, I, 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 you know, you 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 like imagine the day was criticizing the referees every every time and showing you know loads of mistakes they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm sure the referees association or the or the Premier League or someone would say, look, you can't do this. You know, mm-hmm. you 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 you're threatening the game really. By you know ex players continuously bashing the referees. Well, they need a bashing yeah. because the they're professional <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, they, I, yeah, they I are. Mean, the worst I've ever seen. I, they are. I, I would totally agree. And and VAR, yeah, was was put there to help them, but it's not. It's actually an hindrance to them because Absolutely. they're now. They're now panicking because they've gone over to look at the pictures. Yeah. yeah, they look. They've gone over to look at the telly, and because they've gone over the telly now, there's a there's a there's a standard there's a standard thought now in the commentator in on the telly. He says, "Oh well, if it once he goes over to the f- television, you know, it's 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 a red card, yeah, yeah? or it's going to be it, it it's now going to be you know sort of uh, cancelled out, you know, and it's it's and then when. Sky uh when, when match of the day or sky or whatever show it back and it, and everyone's looking at each other thinking, Well, what do you what's he giving a what you given a, a red card for there? You know, I mean, you know, if you wanna you wanna look at it from the point of view of like uh Europe and great and, and England, right? Mm. So so I'm watching Chelsea versus uh Real Madrid last night. Yeah. And I see a tackle by Cassis, who's who to me now is 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 a bit of an assassin in midfield for for yeah. uh, for real madrid yeah yeah takes no prisoners but well, he he's gone right through mount late in the second half he's, he's he's his both legs have gone through him he's taken his legs out from underneath Mount, yeah and and although he's got the ball yeah he's he's he's, he's gone through the player yeah. yeah he's gone through the player now if you go back to uh west ham uh, at the weekend, yeah. when 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 uh, the, 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 the 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 wing the the, the centre half got sent off, yeah. just kicking the ball, and the player coming on to him, yeah. yeah, because of his momentum, and he got a red card. Now it's we know it's been rescinded, mm-hmm. but if that player that stayed on the fo- fo- football pitch, West Ham might have scored a goal. I said exactly the same to Tom. They might yeah. score a goal, good, 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 but yeah. you see, the referee to me now he's is. He, if, you see, the Cassis one, if it had been in an England game, in, in England and played it, he'd have been sent off for yeah. it. Straight red card. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between Europe? In England, yeah. I, I don't know, Dennis, because years ago,
1: it used to be the other way around. It was. You'd get was. yellow cards and red cards in Europe, yes. but you wouldn't in the yes. first division or the beginning of the Premier League. Yeah, but I now agree. it's com- it's completely turned full circle. And um, it, it's just getting, it's getting ridiculous. It's getting pedantic. It was bought out, VAR was bought out for clear and obvious errors. Now, if you have to look at something a couple of times, that ain't clear and obvious to me, so you don't look at it. I do on the podcast with Matt Letizia when it first started. And Matt said it will create more problems than it yes, solves. It and Matt said, I'd I said to Matt, "Do you think it'd be a good idea to have a former pro sitting there with the referees because the referees know the rules, but they don't know the game?" They've never no. played the game. Professional footballers have played the game, and it's about time we started listening to our former players. They could make a massive difference, but unfortunately, the referees tend to be so arrogant that they won't do that.
2: Yeah, well, I I said that myself a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I you know that uh, an ex-player needs to be in that studio watching the games and to give his feedback, you yeah. know, and. Uh, I, I, and I, I think there'd be more honesty then. And I, I, it's not to undermine the referee's decision. It's the fact that that you know How come, professional yeah. professional footballers do say that you know you've to a referee you've never played the game, you know you don't know what you don't know what is a bad tackle. You don't know what uh, you don't know. You see, you see loads of players now who were who were both going for the ball, mm-hmm. yeah, and one of them gets there just before. And because he feels now he's, he's taking a bit of a tap on his foot, he goes yeah. down. Yeah. But he's only going down for one reason. Yeah. And that reason now is to get that player booked. Mm. And I, I find that unsavory, yeah, yeah. for footballers.
0: Mm.
2: And, uh, and, and and, But if I, you know, so, so from my point, but I always find that the referee, when something like that happens, the is on the floor, giving it all the facials, and and holding on to his foot and when when we and then when we see the replay <laughs> on yeah. the match of the day or whatever yeah we see that they, there's there's no contact yeah and yet this player now this is where if, this is me now where i, I think the referee if he all he does now he, he takes out a yellow card just walks up to the player and because the player can't argue with him mm. yeah he's not allowed to yeah he can't say anything you have to accept it. And you can see players going away saying, I didn't touch him. Yeah. I didn't touch him. It's nowhere yeah. near him. You know? Mm-hmm. So so having a having that quick and you can you know, we see that replay very quickly, yeah, on the television. So there's no reason why. And and, and from my point of view, I I can see those things pretty quick, yeah. And I know whether a player is is, is 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 faking, is feigning, yeah, injury. And it it's because If they were that badly hit, they'd go off the pitch, but they don't. They stay on the pitch, yeah. Oh, aren't they
1: go sprinting for the next ball? Because they do. Or they, be or, they, or they
2: take the, the next free kick and stick it in the back of the net with the with the foot that's just been injured. Absolutely. Uh, you know,
1: so, if, if Chopper yeah. Harris or Graham Sooners yes. or players like that had kicked I've them. They've got no chance. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
2: They, 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 wouldn't have, they wouldn't have lived in the game no, today. It's, it's just you crazy.
1: and I just yeah. think they're taking away a part of the game, and it's quite ridiculous because at the end of the day, it's football, it's a man's game, it's a contact sport, and there's yes. part of that game yes. that we need to have in there. In yes. in old reference, what we would say as kids, you turn it into a Puffs game. But again, <laughs> the PC brigades will say, yes. you can't say that today. Well, I'm no. sorry, on our podcast and that, we do, because we say it as we see it. We're not offensive, we just talk in old language, in old money, because we're old people And that's just the way it is, Dennis. That's how I see it. And they're trying to change everything. The Premier League changed an awful lot. Now I see a Premier League Hall of Fame. You don't need a Hall of Fame from the Premier League. Football started, the Football League started in 1888. We've always had a Hall of Fame. And it's only a way of not recognising older players. They're trying to take away all of our history. And I think the fans need to fight back and keep yeah. hold of that history because they will get rid of it if they possibly can.
2: Does the, does the National Museum, though, does it not have, yeah. you know, sort of history from the Oh, that does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Does, yeah,
1: absolutely. But it's the TV yeah. thing that they're trying yeah, to no, it, take it, it's, it away, it, aren't they? It's, yeah, uh, it's Premier it's, League, it's Premier, League, League, Premier, Premier League. League.
2: Yeah. Everybody wants to sort of have a, a, an opinion. Well, who's the best player? I, you see... I mean I I just reading today that Ryan Giggs is, that, is being taken out. Mm. Yeah. You yeah. Know, uh, now nothing's been proven yet. Absolutely you know, yeah. A, around what's going on. So mm-hmm. the the prejudging, but isn't this now the the, the, the time we live in yeah. where you know you, oh always oh, 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 guilty. Well, he's, he's not guilty at the moment. Nothing's been nothing's been said. So, <clears throat> if now he's found not guilty, are you going to put him back in there?
1: Absolutely, oh, and compensate him.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, because it's it's in a way it's slanderous in a way. You know, it and, it's, and it's a shame because when you look at it, when you really look look at it, Ryan Giggs, yeah, the number of games he played, the number of goals he scored, mm. yeah, the 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 the. the the performances he put in for the fans, yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, for, for me, I I just think he's been one of the greatest players that that Man United have ever had. You Absolutely, know? yeah. And, and 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 what we've had in 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 Britain, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's just a He was just a magnificent footballer. Yeah. Uh, you know, but do you talk about Ryan Giggs in the same sort of sphere as George Best? Well, for me, I would. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you know, I'm not. I didn't see a lot of George Best. Mm. Yeah, you know, I saw a lot of grind gigs. Yeah, an awful lot. And so I, when I look at that, I think to myself, well, Giggsy, this, this is something that you've got to applaud about the way that guy played the game.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah? absolutely. Great player. You know, one one of one of our greats. You know, so,
2: yeah. Uh, we, we're we're too quick to condemn. Yeah. Uh, in in this today's age, but. This museum, you know, sort of getting the best player. It, it who's voting? Yeah, I like. <laughs> is it going to be like uh, eighty thousand Arsenal fans now? Well, this who is, going this to, is your problem, who, isn't it? Who are going to pretend that yeah. they're from all different clubs? You know, because I, I mean, did I don't did I did I, t- did I tell you this, this first time when I was on when about the Coventry City thing no. about. Well, well, I think it was 19, uh 20, I think it was in just 200. I've got it all written down uh, somewhere. But in the 2000s, yeah, they, they had a, on, on Midlands Today, BBC Midlands Today, yeah. they, had a, they, they had this, uh, you had to pick the greatest sporting event over the last 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. So it was about 2002, I think. So yeah. so obviously in that 30 years was was ours win us winning the league and winning the European Cup. Yeah. Also in that period was Coventry City winning the FA Cup.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. So so you had to vote now, yeah. So it was people had to send in their votes, you know, from, from all over for the greatest sport and event. Well, the greatest sport and event that took place in those 30 years was aston villa winning the european cup in the midlands this is in the west Midlands. 100 percent no argument yeah you know nothing nothing could nothing could match that no not at all but we came second incredible yeah you know and 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 obviously coventry came top so i asked i said to nick owen when i saw him the next time i I said nick how did that happen And he just looked at me. I said, "I know how it happened." He said, "You allowed loads of Birmingham fans, yeah, mm-hmm. loads of West Brom fans, mm-hmm. yeah, to now gang up against us, so that we didn't get the top prize." Yeah. But how she, stupid is that?
0: I mean, it, it, it,
2: I know, but this, but this is it. You see, I mean, if you, if you want to stop something, yeah, yeah, and you've got a vote on it, then if you've got loads of people from outside yeah, the area yeah. or, or or not involved with that club. Mm-hmm or the, the the anti that club, then they're going to they're gonna vote. Yeah, separately. So it was a, it was a big shock to me, really. I mean, sadly, what, what you
1: do get is a lot of stupid people um, in football. You get a lot of great people as well, but I always say football brings out the best and brings out the worst in people. Now, you know, I got to the first, first game of football I watched was on the Holt end. I watched an England youth game uh, with, my dad took me down there, but, He was a Birmingham supporter and he he took me down at at Birmingham. And I used to love to go down to St Andrews and watch the likes of Charlie George and Charlie Cook and Alan Hudson and Stanley Bowles and and all the great players. And he'd point them out to me. It's fantastic. But, you know, if somebody said to me, what's the greatest achievement in the last 30 years? I'd be saying, look, whether you're looking at the last 30 years or since 1888, Aston Villa winning the European Cup was the greatest achievement, period. There's no argument I don't know why you have to put that to a public vote because if you do then then I'm saying yeah. you know nothing about football but
2: yeah, I, I can understand it but you know if it, if it was a if it was to find out the the, 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 the best sport in an individual mm. yeah uh, whatever for you know over the last 30 years yeah then that would be different because it's an individual but when you're looking at a team
1: absolutely yeah
2: you know yes yeah. uh, and you've got all these you've got all these clubs around the West Midlands who have got loads of fans who, yeah. who, who don't want to vote for Aston Villa but just be probably, probably the Villa fans him. probably the Villa fans though should have sort of realised that and should have should have got themselves voted a bit more yeah they should have they probably <laughs> felt that it, it was a it was a foregone conclusion it yeah. was it was nailed on yes yeah but but uh, there's not enough of them voted.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. What 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 has come out recently Dennis is um there's going to be a documentary on BT isn't that that's yes. commemorating the uh the is it the the class of 81 then 82 as well the two yeah, yeah, seasons yeah. it's going to be both yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah it's going
2: to it's going to be both yeah there's something that we've been uh Jim uh, and I have been uh, talking to the the uh, the people of BT for the last two or three months. Yeah. And uh, they approached us to, to, to do a film and, and, you know, about, about winning the league and winning the European cup. And, you know, the shows I've seen on, on Sky on, and on BT and everything, they've been great. Yeah. You know, when you, you get an inside look at, uh, out like a season to gone or something like that, you know, like the first one I ever remember watching was a Man City one, you know, which was very, very interesting. Mm. And, but but this now is is obviously 40 years on, and uh, this will be a reflecting back on it. So so but there'll be interviews with the guys, yeah. So and then obviously that'll be mixed up then with footage.
0: Yeah.
2: And the the interesting thing about uh, BT is that they own all the rights to the you know, Champions League and the European uh, Cups and everything. You know. Yeah, so God, yeah. they 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 they're going to be able to put something really special together for us. Uh, you know so, so so that that that's something we're really looking forward to and and again it's 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 one of those things that uh, would be a great promotion for Villa again absolutely yeah yeah and, and 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 you know people out there will again get an opportunity to realize you know that in 80 81 82 uh, there was something special happening in uh in Aston Villa uh, and you know by by that by us being filmed again as well it, it was just Give us a little bit more, uh, a, a bit more thought to the fact that you know Aston Villa have got to realise that, you know, in this day and age, you've still got to think about, you know, what 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 went on in the past. You know, I always think about the cup belonging to us, you know, not the Villa. <laughs> I, oh, you I did, Winnie. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I always I always think I always think we should go in there and demand the cup. Yeah, <laughs> the, the league championship and. <laughs> And the European Cup. And the super and the super plaque for the super cup. You know, <laughs> but in we, my we life should, in my lifetime, I mean?
1: Dennis, you're the only one that's ever bloody lifted it.
2: But we, you know, so from my point of view, yeah, it's mine. (laughs) I just think I just think we should be able to borrow it whenever we want. Well, you should do because you you bloody
1: well won it. I mean, that's the thing. It is all about the club, yes, of course it is. It's it's the club, but it's those special players that won it for the club, and they should never be forgotten. Graham Denton actually posted on uh, one of the Villa groups uh, this week about the in the European Cup final. Had it have gone to penalties, he'd put that. Gordon was taking the first penalty. Alan Evans, Peter with uh, 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 Swainey and Shawsy were going to take the five. Is right. that correct? Did you ever plan to take penalties in the uh, the, the eighty two <laughs> final?
2: It's funny, isn't it? It's sort of funny. I mean, <laughs> how we came up with that, I don't know. He's just speculated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's just ab. That's pure speculation on his part. Yeah, got you? you know, no one had any idea who we take. Because really, cause one or two of us might have been subbed.
1: Yeah, you
2: know what I mean.
1: Yeah, there and, was and, no and, talk by Ron who was going to take the five penalties. No, listen, yeah,
2: well it, yeah. Was, it was it was Tony Barton, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Sorry, yeah, of well, course he was Barton. Well, listen,
2: listen, I go, I go back to seventy seven when mm. we won uh, when we beat Everton, and uh, I read in the programme, yeah the f- the following week after we'd won it yeah at uh, at, at, uh up at uh, old trafford i read in the program notes the following week uh, that if it had gone to a draw yeah we were going to take penalties right now as far as i was concerned that was news to me <laughs> yeah and i'm sure it was news to a lot of the other players because ron would never have ever put that to us before the game God,
0: yeah yeah,
2: that it, you know, if it go, if it goes to if it's level at the end of extra time again, guys, we've got penalties. Yeah? yeah, he he wouldn't have done that because that would have been that 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 would have put even more pressure on those people who are now going to take the penalty. So if you're in extra time now and it's nil nil or one all or three all or something like that, yeah, and the thought of penalties is coming up. The one thing that you don't want, yeah, because that's just a that's just a lucky dip that one then, Yeah. yeah, that's not. You could call it skill, but not necessarily skill. Yep. Because, you know, the guy who blasts the ball into the roof of the net, yeah, he's just open that he is the target. Yeah. The guy who tries to place it in the corner and the keeper goes the right way, mm. there's a little bit of skill in that one, thinking yep. that you could beat him in the corner, you know. So you know, to me it's just a lottery. Yeah. yeah. But but Ron never told us. And and so going into the final of the European Cup. There was no talk about penalties and all that. We yeah. would have come to that. So, again, it's uh, speculation on, on the part of, uh, you know, the people who, who talk about it and write about it. Yeah. Because uh, unless they knew more than I did. Uh, <laughs> you lifted and I, it. <laughs> I, I, and I thought I was quite privy to, you know, <laughs> talking to, to, to Tony Barton before we went out. Uh, but, you know, because I did. none of us knew about Jimmy. Yeah. Know? Jimmy came off yeah. after 10 minutes you know so none of us knew about Jimmy's bad neck yeah so that was a big surprise when you know Jimmy's now you know the ball's gone out of play and Jimmy's walking over he's got his he's got his extra pair of gloves underneath his arm shaking his head and we're all going he going? <laughs> The game hasn't finished, has it? Yeah. Oh, Munich. Yeah. We've only gone ten minutes, Jim. <laughs> another, another eighty to go. <laughs> no, it was, that was a that, that was. I mean, we were just looking around at each other. Think, where's he going? <laughs> yeah. And then Spinksy comes running on and becomes a hero. Yeah.
1: But this is where I love great. getting the stories from the players, not supporters yeah. or people that think yeah. they know what's going on. The players that actually play. Well, that's in about it.
2: Yeah. See. What I'm telling you is what I know. Exactly. Well, <laughs> but so, somebody else, like t- Tony Morley might have, or Gary <laughs> Shaw might have, might come up with a different story. It might know something different.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. So, 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 so you know, these are these are the things that you know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can they're the only things you can tell. You know, you can't you can't go whispering something that that you never you never heard or you didn't realize was going to happen, Paul.
1: Absolutely. It Another yeah. thing that I I, I watched Villa um, against the Albion and uh, actually went with me uh, my stepson and me my son-in-law because they're both season ticket holders at Villa so they they dragged me down to Villa Park and uh, I actually do like going to Villa and watching Villa but I'm going to keep that a little bit quiet to all my Birmingham City supporters mind mm. you most of them have blocked me on social media anyhow so it doesn't <laughs> really matter but the Albion turned you around. when you were the captain and you won the toss did. Was your first thought? I'm going to turn these around when we're playing away because they don't like it.
2: No, I never, I never had that problem.
1: No, did you never turn no, teams around? No, around?
2: I, 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 no, I wouldn't. Like if we were at Liverpool, I wouldn't turn it round. Got ya. Uh, it, it, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, they're still shoot. are still going to be shooting, in, you know, towards the the cup end. Yeah, yeah, in the first half, so they could score four or five then yeah. in the second <laughs> half. Yeah, the game's all over. No. I, I I yeah. I never and and whenever you know as captain, I, I never thought about sort of doing a nasty one. Yeah. You know, on someone and say, oh well, we know you like to kick that way. Yeah. yeah. So so if I win the toss, I'm going to uh, I, I, I'm going to turn it around so that you know you're not you know you're not going to be kicking into your favourite end in the second half. Yeah. Where you think you're going to get an advantage? Yeah. yeah because the advantage might already be over. Yeah. Then. Yeah. You know, so I, I never got into those kind of things. God, it wasn't worth it. Yeah. You,
1: you did get into a podcast with Alan Hudson and that's coming out very shortly as well. Yes. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we did talk about Pele about 40 minutes ago. <laughs> so yes. let, Let's briefly talk about um, Sugarloaf Mountain. We're going to do another podcast and we're going to really uh, talk in depth about that uh, that tour. We also want to talk about Gordon Taylor as well because you're right. Uh, you, you alluded to the fact that people... When you have an opinion and it doesn't meet the narrative, people do try and shout you down. But our podcasts aren't like that. We we talk about yes. players' opinions, players' feelings and what they know from the inside. Because it's all right as a fan, you're looking on the outside, but you don't know what work people like. Gordon absolutely. Taylor have done. So no. first of all let's talk briefly about Ronnie Biggs, Sugarloaf Mountain yes. <laughs> and then we'll go into where uh, the great Gordon Taylor, Gordon Taylor on the wing for Birmingham City in the bit Yeah, yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 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 in 89, 1989, uh, I've got an invite Yeah, to go and play in Brazil in mm-hmm. Sao Paulo in what was called the Copa Pele yeah. Now, what this was, this was uh, the six teams that had won the uh, the World Cup. Yeah. So you had Brazil, West Germany, Italy, Uruguay, Paraguay. And now you should have had England, Paul.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, but we had to go as Great Britain. Yeah. Did, did right. Italy
1: go? Because Italy have won the World Cup as
2: well. Paraguay. Yeah, no, that's what I said then. Brazil, West Germany, Italy, Uruguay. Oh, yeah. Got ya. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, they were they were they were part of the six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, it was amazing, really. You know, they were so dapper, the Italians. <laughs> 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 you know, everything about what they t- everything what they took to 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 Brazil was about playing in a hot country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything was light and airy and sort of just floated. Yeah, yeah, and and but the kit we had. Yeah, it was what you wore in the winter. <laughs> uh, it was shocking, but the worst thing about it was it was great. We had to go as Great Britain. Yeah, you know? and uh, th- the story really behind that is because uh, when Gordon Banks, who had been given the opportunity to put it together uh, by the FA, uh, he was he was looking around to try and get uh, England play- English players to go. Yeah. Who you know represented England at some stage, you know, whether full international or other levels, and uh, to go and play in this tournament, he couldn't get enough of isn't it? England players. He couldn't Incredible. get enough, so he had to, he had to, he had to get uh, some, some Scots in, some Scottish players, yeah, and uh, to make it up. Now there was no way they were going to go as England.
1: Nah, yeah, no
2: chance. Yeah, there's no way they would have done that. I mean, if I was asked to go and play for Scotland, I'd have been quite happy to have gone on the name of Scotland. Yeah, I know you You know what I mean? But the other way around, oh, oh, yeah. oh <laughs> no, no, can, can I do that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so 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 we had yeah. and we had a we had a really decent squad, and and one of our squad members was uh, the late Frank Worthington. Ah, oh, legend. Yeah, I know, and. Uh, the Scots guys who who came in were Martin Buchan, yeah, Kenny Baines, yeah. uh, John Robbo, and uh, who was the other one? Uh, I think that was it, actually. The three of them, yeah, just the three of them. So there's just the three of them. Yeah, John Robbo, Gordon, uh, Kenny Baines, and Martin Buchan.
1: Because Buchan was so- the first one to win the Scottish FA Cup and the English FA Cup, wasn't he?
2: It was he the 1st was he it? Is the right. first, okay. Yeah, Martin Buxton. Yeah, well, there's some good stories to tell you. So I don't know whether you want me to tell them now, or we talk about it some other time and get into to Gordon. But there's there's plenty to talk about.
1: What yes, happened with Ronnie Biggs and show? Alan
2: Whitlock, Sugarloaf yeah. Mountain? <laughs> yeah, Well, <laughs> we were we were staying in Sao Paulo, so we had we had a, a day off, and we were offered an opportunity to fly up to uh, Rio. Yep. And we all jumped on the plane and thought, yeah, this would be great. While we're here, we might as well do it. Yeah. Uh, so, so a lot of us, you know, decided, well, we want to go up Sugarloaf, yeah, because yeah. it's the place to be, uh, and it's great view and everything. So, there's two parts of Sugarloaf for those who don't know. Uh, so, as we're travelling up the, in the lift now to get up to the first part, there's a guy in the in in now in the, in the there's a guy in in the lift now, and and one or two of the guys in particular, Alan Whittle. Yeah. yeah who, Alan just looked around and said to you know to us, he says, hey, "Don't look, but it's that Ronnie Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> you know when someone says "Don't look," everyone what's does. the first thing you yeah, do? <laughs> everyone looks, don't they? <laughs> you know, so so it was a, a quick glance and, and oh yeah yeah, so Alan then started talking to him. Yeah. yeah uh and he was having a chat with him and all that and and what his role was is if, if people haven't seen the story that they had on him many many years ago is that he would he would it's, it's like getting the plane to spain and when you get off it and you're coming down you're coming down the uh, steps the photographer's taking your photo yeah and then when you come back to leave yeah they've stuck your photo now up in the in the departure lounge for you to buy if you want to buy oh, yeah. this photograph if got you it. do that well that was what ronnie was doing so he was having he was making his way up to the first level where he would walk around and obviously people either were told that ronnie was there or they knew him yeah because <laughs> obviously there'd be a lot of tourists and they'd have a photograph with him. yeah, yeah. got yeah and so what would then happen then is you go up to the second level so by the time you came back from the second level, you'd be able to go to these shops, and then you'd find a picture of yourself with Ronnie Biggs either on a on a cup or a plate, yeah, <laughs> or, or just a normal picture. Yeah, and that was how Ronnie made a living. I yeah. thought
1: you was going to say Ronnie was taking the photos. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I <laughs> no. thought what had was... come down from being the great train yeah. robber.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He was. He wasn't doing selfies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so. So, so so that was you know so and I and obviously I I I was I was a bit of a camera buff and I took my I would take my camera around with me all the time. So I, Alan asked me to take a photograph of him yeah. with Ronnie, you know. And I thought, okay, I'll do that, you know. But no, nobody else wanted a photo with him. Yeah, we all thought it was in a bit of a. It was one of those. Mm, I'm not too sure I want to take a photo with Ronnie for what he's what he's he's reputedly done. Yeah. yeah. But 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 you know you you go all over the place and and what you do you bump into Ronnie Biggs <laughs> yeah on Sugarloaf Mountain.
1: Yeah. Well, one of our yeah. best mates is Tommy Wisby, who was also one of the great train yeah. robbers as well. Oh no, I
2: read about it. <laughs> I read about it in one of his, his his letters he sent on the internet. Yeah.
1: Oh, he's he, the the. Post he's a good writer, Uday. isn't he? Oh, he's, he's a good writer.
2: And I love it's the fun, way yeah. that
1: Udi goes from something that's happened now and he goes yes. back in time yes. and brings it back. He's a mm. he's an extremely. I said to Udi, I said, I, I, I don't know what was best, Udi, your pen or your right foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well,
1: he's very good. Yeah, he's uh, like superb. Yeah, Another player that's been very good. Uh, in his role, Gordon Taylor, head of the PFA, now I know that people say, that Gordon wasn't, or Gordon was this, or Gordon was that, but Gordon's been there, ever since I was a kid, I mean I remember watching, Gordon Taylor at St Andrews, and he got that barrel chest, with a penguin strip, and he was a great little player, and he's done a great job, for the PFA hasn't he, it's almost as though, what did the Romans do for us, and when you look back, in, in his time, at what he's done, you go, well, he's he's done underfloor um, eating, He's invented the wheel. He's done this. He's done that. He's, you know, he's he's had a great career as the chairman of the football associate of the, uh, the the PFA. Yeah,
2: no, he's a, uh, he's, he's, he's he's someone that I've always uh, applauded really yeah. for, for what he did. I mean, you know, he, he, a couple of times he 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 got me involved with the PFA. From the point of view of, of, of jobs, yeah, uh, and this is what this is what the PFA was about really. At times, was to try and bring ex-players uh, back into the fold and give them roles, yeah. yeah. And the couple of roles that I I did uh, with the with the, with the PFA were very significant roles, yeah. But there's a there's a tremendous book out for anyone who really wants to find out about Gordon Taylor. There's a book out called Behind the Glory, 100 Years of the PFA. Yeah. So that's, you know, this was written a few years ago. So it just tells you how long the PFA had been in, in, in things. But but Gordon Assey took office in 1982. Yeah. yeah. It, that's, when he, that's when he actually became, yeah, the, uh, the head of the PFA. And this is a quote. This is a quote that he he gave, he told the national newspapers, yeah. He said, all the battles the players needed to fight against the maximum wage, for freedom of movement and now freedom of speech have been won. What we need now is cooperation between all the bodies in the game to stop the kind of disputes and mudslinging that, I'm sure, have helped disillusion the public. That and that was that was when he took office, right? Mm. So he had a big job on. Yeah. He had a really big job, yeah, to sort of to to, to now get his teeth into. And uh so if you think about today, yeah, and you think about the disillusion of the public, then it's there again now. Yeah. With obviously the Super League. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, What 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 is going on? But the thing about what I want to talk about really is that I'm a great to me. I just think Gordon Taylor so he joined in 82. So you're looking forward, you're looking now to 40 years, absolutely. Yeah, because he's because he's gonna he's retiring from the, the position uh at the end of this season, yeah. So that's 40 years now, yeah, nearly that he's been in charge of a union. Mm. And from my point of view, I think he's done an absolute far- and if you read what he's done and what he's actually done for the PFA, yeah, and the players, you'd, you'd have to realise then that the guy actually has worked damn hard, yeah, uh, as a union leader, yeah. yeah, to to help the PFA. And I for me, and I mean I know Gordon, Gordon's an OBE, so he got the OBE, yeah, uh, a few you know a few years ago. But for me, I I I'm one of those people that really thinks because of what he's done and now he's retiring. I really feel now that he should be knighted because if it was any other organisation from a union point of view, to have someone in that long who's actually looked after the players and to me, in a special way, yeah, I just feel now he needs to have more recognition for what he did. I don't want people to think now, oh, Gordon Taylor, he's, uh, he was on £2 million a year. Uh, well, that's by the by. Gordon Taylor, you know, was was given that remuneration because that was what his worth was to the PFA. Mm. But you can't you can't all that against him for what he's done, Paul. Yeah, you've got you've got to do is 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 read about Gordon Taylor and what he did for the foot for football. Yeah, and this book really gives it gives it straight to you. Yeah. Uh, but you see, in terms of his his
1: his money, uh, two million pound, if if that's what he he, he did earn a, a year, you know, when you're looking at, he's representing the players of today as players of yesterday. He's the head of the Professional Footballers Association. There's players today that are probably earning that in a in a couple of months. You know, yeah. play, players are earning a ridiculous yeah. amount of money today. And what they're earning actually dwarfs the head of the organization. So you could argue he ain't earning enough money from it in in, in the modern game.
2: Well you look at you look at the, the, the top managers and how much money they yeah. you know. So yeah. you know, so so Gordon's now the head of, of as as you mentioned, players who now are making absolute fortunes. Yeah. And you know, so what he's getting is is very small compared. What they're trying to compare it with is, is other union uh, top guys, yeah. But no one's no one's running a union like he is, where the money that is being put into the game uh, and the money that's being taken out of the game. What Gordon's trying to do is is is, is he, with his role is to try to help those players who aren't getting those big fees, yeah. the you know the big wages, you know, are trying to help them when they're, they're down on the luck. And you know you, you think about you think about players who who you know like uh, Gary Charles you know now Gary was uh, he 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 was an alcoholic yeah. yeah and and he you know he's one of those guys now that runs his own rehabilitation yeah but you know while he was going through those stages I'm sure the the PFA would have been there helping him you know to try and sort him out because what the PFA always wanted to do paul was, was look after their own mm. and if they could help yeah if they could help them they would help them yeah now i i look at did let me just read this out to you about about gordon's role yeah and and all the all the sort of the jobs he did he had so he had the pfa's role and position where where while himself becoming a major figure in a national game In 1992, became president of FIFRO, the International Professional Footballers Union, which he mentioned, stepping down in 2005. Remains FIFA's honorary president. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: He is also a member of the Football Foundation, the FIFA Football Committee, UEFA and FA committees, and the Institute of Professional Sport. He received an honorary master's degree for his services to football from Loughborough University and also holds an honorary doctorate from De Montford University. He was appointed officer of the Order of the British Empire in 2008 in the New Year's Honours. So a hell of a lot of roles there he's yeah, playing. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's juggling, he's juggling them all the time. And, and what he's trying to do, and so what people have got to remember about Gordon and his role is that Gordon is not there yeah. by himself. He has people working with him and yeah. for him so if 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 something comes into him yeah and it's directed to him that letter will probably be read by a secretary yeah and then it will be sort of either pushed in the direction where it needs to go Mm. or it'll go straight to gordon now if it's directly sort of for gordon taylor private and confidential then it'll go to gordon Mm. but He's going to read it, but what he's going to do then is, is is because of so much what he's doing for the players, yeah. He's going to then pass that on to someone else who's working for it, whose role is to do that, hmm. yeah. Is—is is to look after anything that Gordon now feels that that falls into their remit. So he's going to do that. So he—he he can't keep a—he can't keep a tab on everything that's going on.
1: No, so it's quite possible. Yeah,
2: it—it it is, you know. Hmm. So so you know. The, one of the reasons why we brought this up is because i just feel at the moment yeah you know he's coming to the end of his tenure and i just feel that like there's certain areas that are, or, or certain people who are, are having a dig at him, yeah uh because of the dementia thing yeah, yeah in, in players now if if a footballer gets dementia is it because of heading the ball is it just because of normal things that happen in life yeah mm-hmm. So now we've got a big scientific sort of uh, uh, survey going on, and I'm part of that survey. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, they, they, they've asked me to do, so I'm I'm doing it. And you know, I've I've done the first part of it, and now I'm i getting to the stage now where I'm 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 going to be getting to the end of it really, you know, where I, I get a a sort of personal interview. So mm-hmm. I've 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 done telephone telephone things, but the thing is about what I feel about it is that. I don't think this has got anything to do with the pfa yeah yeah this is an illness that arrives in a lot of people my mother had dementia
0: yeah right? mm.
2: yeah you know and, it, and it, it it happens to a lot of other people mm. but they don't go crying about it from the point of view of saying well the pfa aren't do or the the organization they they work for is not doing anything for them and yet they, they they've got loads of money like you know they get lots of money from the television but th- that th- the people don't realize where that money's going yeah. they don't realize that there's an educational program that goes on at all the football clubs mm. yeah that 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 money goes into supporting the education of all these young kids who join at 16 yeah who, who then you know get released at 80 and have got no qualification yeah so, so there's also footballers who, when they they might have to retire from the game because of an injury early, the PFA if they want to then go back to university, go and do a degree or something, the the the, the PFA will do that. So an edu- there's an educational department which looks after anything that ec- that players want to do. You know, part of my uh, sort of work being a coach educator was, with, you know, sort of. Getting the opportunity to go and work with the PFA and it, and and improve my coaching qualifications and everything. So, as I say, I I had two roles with them, and one of the the other one of the big things that they came out with was in uh, was was something called the PFA football in the community. Now, I don't know where you you've ever heard of this, but football in the community. Is that I just read in that uh, backpass that. One of the guys who who, who, who ran it, right, a like guy called Roger Reed, he's now going to be bringing a book out on it. Yeah. And what the football in the community did mm-hmm. yeah, to the community. And and to put it in a in a nutshell, the football in the community started in the north in the northwest with six clubs. And what it what what, what it was, it was a government training scheme. Yeah. Right. And and, and but it was done from the football club. And what the football, so, so what it was is that an ex-player who was a qualified coach would be the leader of it, yeah? And they would. so they're now being employed by the football club, yeah? And and also through this government scheme. Yeah. So the government scheme now was for anyone who was out of work, if they were on the dole, if they wanted now to go and become, uh, get a, a qualification, a level two coaching qualification for football, they could then go on this scheme. Yeah, uh, but be working from the football club. So if you were a fan, yeah. it was just brilliant. Yeah. So so, so so that happened and that went on for about two years. And then eventually, yeah, that was a pilot scheme because it went so well and because everyone in, it, it thought it was a real hit and the government were behind it. It went then into all 92 clubs. Yeah. So, 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 so that was a big project that the PFA got off the ground, yeah, and it was, it, was, it was massive. And what it did to the football clubs and the fans, it was, it was, it was absolutely brilliant, you know, because what, what, what started to develop was that the PFA community scheme, okay, to start off with, it was just doing a bit of coaching, but, but it, it really did sort of take legs, yeah, and started to move into bringing the kids into for ground tours, for educational things. And and some of the some of the community schemes all around the country were absolutely fantastic about what they were doing, and but it was a training scheme yeah for unemployed people, mm. but it was but it was backed obviously by the football and, and it was one of the, it was one of the PFA's really big thing. The second thing that they did, which I when, when I I mean I was. It's quite interesting, but I ended up. At, I ended up doing. I ended up on the PFA community scheme, working for West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. But that's another story.
1: <laughs> <We'll>
2: go into, <laughs> Probably going to go I, now, then. <laughs> but, yeah, we won't go into that. But so I, I had about three or four years. Three years doing that, and while I was there, yeah, Aussie Ardiles joined the football club. Right. Yeah. Right. And and they didn't have any reserve team coach, so. I remember Ozzy called me into his office and I sat in his office for about two hours talking about all the players, yeah, mm-hmm. and telling them what I thought about them, yeah. You know, because I watched the games every home game, yeah, because yeah? it was part of my community scheme and what I did. I, I I brought in a local team, you know, to come and watch the game, but I'd give them a coaching session for two hours beforehand. We'd then take them to the Throttle Supporters Club and give them lunch.
0: Yeah.
2: And then we'd give them tickets to watch the game in the Rainbow Stand, as it was then. What yeah. year was that, Dennis? This is a this is in the uh, 90. What it be now?
1: T- let me tell you. Because uh, the Albion had a really good. You, you're right. Because I I actually went um, to we my team. 89.
2: 89
1: to 92, I did it. okay, because yeah. you know that that was still going because my boys were playing football. I mean, he was born in 87, so it'd be 97. So you're looking at the roundabout the millennium, um, yes. and. Um, and we, we went there and the, the lads had some coaching and I remember going to watch an Albion game as well and the Albion were very, very good and I was very impressed with that. In fact, I took my team and we, we played Bobby Hope was there at the, at the time at the baggies and, and we, uh, we give them a game as well. And I, I looked at the community work that the Albion were doing at, at that time and I I was extremely impressed
2: with what Albion were doing. No, no. Well, I I started all yeah. that off. Yeah. That was me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I was the first one in there to get it all going. Uh, Johnny Truick took over from me because, as I say, when Ozzy joined, yeah, uh, he needed a, a youth team. He needed a reserve team coach. I went in to have a chat with him to see if I was a to, to see if it was a if the position was available and mm-hmm. if he had anyone in mind. And lo and behold, I got the job. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> So so I was now sort of coaching, the, and then obviously at the end of that season, Ozzy left and went to Tottenham, and I ended up then with first team coach with Keith Birkinshaw. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but 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 we we had a four year contract, but then we we were we were sacked after eighteen months, which was probably normal for West Brom at the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so so you know so so but that that that. PFA thing, yeah, was what got me started. And then a few years later, yeah, when the PFA then again an educational scheme then, which again was was part of you know sort of Gordon working with the government and also the football league and uh, as it was then, yeah, is that the scholars at the football club now they they once again were put onto this educational package and, and one of the part of the package now. Was was doing the level two, coaching course, the FA level two coaching yeah. course. So so the country was divided up, and I ended up with about nine or ten clubs in the Midlands who I used to go in and 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 take them through this level two coaching course. And that was again that was a, a another you know a really good sort of uh, uh, PFA working with other organisations. You know like the 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 FA and and also the the government in in giving the young players from 18, sixteen to eighteen an opportunity to 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 leave if they if they got released with a qualification, yeah so they had the educational side of it as well, so they, they would be doing something to, you know something to do uh, uh in the classroom, but they had this coaching scheme as well you know so so that that was you know two two really big you know sort of pieces of work that the PFA did and and all the way through is, is tenure. Yeah, there, was, there, was, there was things that was happening all the time that, you know, unless you know, unless you really go out there and, 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 and read about it, yeah, then you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to read about it. You've got to find out. You can't just criticise something yeah, or someone if you've not read up about it yeah, and all you've seen is what other people have said. So, so from Gordon's point of view you know I, I I've underlined tons of stuff in this book which I was going to relate to you but this there's, there's, there's just so much yeah that he did for like looking after the players you have <clears throat> he made sure that the players uh, were, were, were got the, uh, the the rights to the you know to to, to the pitches and everything you know
1: have players yeah. got
2: rights to the pictures yes how do
1: now. How yeah. does that work, then? Because I mean, I've I've been trying to, um, I've been working with Alan uh, quite closely yes. over the last few years, and and we seem to have it brick walls where. There's copyright on, on photos and lots yes. of players, Terry Curran's uh, doing another book, and there's copyrights on photographs and yes. they don't seem to be able to use them. He, in fact, Phil Hughes, who's George's uh, agent, he, he corresponded uh, with me um, not long ago and said, even George had to buy photographs of his images. And, and yes. I said, that that's wholly wrong. Players should have... Um, or should be able to use their image for financial gain for them players and and i've said on podcasts in the past that in this day and age where players have an image right but have no image whereas players of the past had an image but seem to have no image rights so how yeah. does that work in 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 the modern age then
2: well well to today now i mean you know i, I heard an example of it that so if if BT now used, you know, like the picture, uh, photographs or any images of the players, they, they've been paid. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been paid quite substantial fees.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. So so that image now that they've got, yeah, they can use as many times as they want. Yeah. But the players, the player now is has, has done a deal with them. Yeah.
1: So um, can Dennis Mortimer... Put up or, or write a book, and, and I, I do think that you should write one, Dennis. I know that lots of players think, well, I don't want to, but there's so many stories, there's so many things that you've got to say, there's so many chapters of your life and photographs and, and achievements, I think that every player should. So we can look at, there's a record, there's a library of, of what you did and what you left, your indelible mark, what you left on that game. Can Dennis Mortimer put up a picture of him with the European Cup, and and you can earn money from that picture because it, it just strikes me that Getty seemed to own everything.
2: No, no, you can't. No, so say so, say I wanted to put a picture of me on a t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 then try and flog that t shirt. Yeah. I don't own the copyright to that picture. Yeah.
1: But you should be able to.
2: Well, yeah, because but but you see, this is where you know this is how the players now have got that that opportunity they, they now own their rights.
1: They yeah. do, but can we not do it retrospectively? Well, like,
2: I, 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 yeah, that, that's something that I felt. That, yeah, you know, I do. I feel strongly about, about that. You know that that you know because because if you if you look at like Getty pictures,
1: yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah,
2: yeah. They they have all, but if you want to, you know, so if you want to write a book, yeah, yeah, it, unless you've got your own photographs, who someone's taken them for you. specifically correct you know not not a photographer so if you think about if you think about the villa yeah Yeah. you've got terry weir who was our club uh, photographer yeah so on the back of every photograph he takes there's a stamp yeah Mm. and it says this is the property of terry weir yeah yeah if you need if you want to uh use it then you need to get in touch with so and so so there's a number on the back yeah so yeah. you can't just like i like if, i can't just put a book together and then say oh and say to the guy right let, let's put all these really nice photographs of me in here
0: yeah
2: i've got to pay for them yeah now it all depends on where you're going to get them from yeah yeah you, you know so they don't, they probably all have different different prices as well paul you know, what
1: the are charging. Yeah, it, it, it is incredible. And, and <laughs> I didn't understand this and until I started working a lot closer with Terry Curran and, and Alan Hudson. And I just yeah. think that a third party, yeah, that's, that's different. So if I wanted to put a picture of Dennis Mortimer on a, uh, a T-shirt and sell the T-shirt for profit, that's wrong because I'm not Dennis Mortimer. If Dennis Mortimer wants to do it, Dennis Mortimer should be able to do it. So should every other former player that's had that image taken. Because when you lifted the the European Cup, when you lifted the, the, the League Championship, when you lifted the Super Cup, when you played for Aston Villa, Coventry City, or anybody else for that matter, you didn't say to them people, well, I will give you the right to take a photograph of me. It was an unsolicited photograph, the way I see it. Okay, you play for that club and, and then within that remit of the club and the photographer comes a contract, but you didn't sign anything to say that that was okay. So I no, just I, think yeah. that you should be able to, as you as a person, be able to replicate that picture for financial gain for yourself.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I it, it's it's... The, the photographer himself obviously uh I think they they would have to i think pay a fee to to be behind a goal or something mm, like that yeah
0: probably yeah
2: yeah you know, or they're working for an agency yeah. who've already who pay that that fee mm. and so any photograph that they take now yeah as far as they're concerned they've got the copyright to it yeah, yeah. I mean i've got i've paul i I have got literally hundreds of photographs which were given to me yeah. over the years absolutely yeah. uh, but I know I know like i talked to Ken McNaught. I say to Ken have you you know have you got any photographs he's got no photographs yeah. and I, I just think so why why haven't you got any photographs but I was fortunate when I got to know the photographers you see yeah yeah, yeah? and because I was sort of I like to do a bit of photography you know people found out and and then obviously I get to know them and I'd end up with these photos, but each one, each photograph that I've got has got a copyright stamp on the back of it. Yeah, Yeah. so I, I, I've got no, I've got no rights to that photo, you know. And yet, as you say, you think you should have, yeah, because it's, it's you. Monty
1: Fresco took a picture. I think it was, sorry, the seventy-two, seventy-three of Alan and George. And mm. and Alan used it for uh, it was the front of the uh, the Killing Fields book that he he wrote. Right. And uh, he, I think he had to pay some like eight hundred quid. And and Alan said with the other podcast that we do, my Life, my music. He said, could you imagine Frank Sinatra <laughs> and like putting a picture of Frank Sinatra on a book and somebody saying, well, I want some money,
2: yeah, yeah. do me a favour? Because yeah. these people know? they know who took the photo? Of course, yeah, they do, these yeah. photographers. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They can tell who you know whose work it is. It's yeah. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I had a I had a really good friend called Bob Thomas, who was uh, a young guy who had his own uh, what's the name uh, darkroom and everything in his house in yeah. in Northampton. And he was he was his mum and dad were big Villa fans, and I got to know him, and he 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 gave me tons and tons of photographs, and he's, he's given me some fantastic photos. Yeah. But all these photos now with Getty Images. It's incredible. Yeah. I just, I it just, he, he stole them on to Getty Images, you see. They're in there.
1: Yeah, you see, that's the thing, you yeah. see. The photographers, they get that, they have to pay to do that. Then the photographer yes. sells it to Getty, and then that's yeah. it. And then it's all copyright, and you can't do nothing about it. And I, and I just think that that copyright issue should be to the, to the benefit of the player.
2: Yeah, the player, had the player. they're making, yeah, they're making, yeah, they're making money out of your photograph. Of course yeah? they are, yeah. Because because if there's a way we could do it, we we would, as you say, we'd we'd, you know, I, I mean, I've got tons of photographs which I've got on, which you know, I can take a photograph of the photograph and put it on my computer, yeah, and then I can print it, you know. But then but again, the, I
1: don't think you can use that because it's still no. a photograph of a photograph.
2: Absolutely no, yeah, no. So but you, I, but no. I, could I could autograph it. And, and, and sell it, but you'd have to be very careful that you didn't do too many of them. And, yeah, and because, this is
1: what I'm saying, but it, yes. but that's not, that. It just to me, it's not fair and it's not right no, because no. you should be able to do that for your financial game and, I, right. and I just think that there should be, a, a, if it needs to go to court, a case that a professional, a former pro uses his image, somebody sues them you take them to court and you get image rights because that's what you need retrospective image rights for any photograph
2: Um, that that you're in yeah i don't disagree (laughs) with you yeah anyway listen yes a couple of things the the, so one of the the really good things that the pfa did for my my cohort was that they set up a pension scheme right and uh and so Obviously first thing they did was was get everyone to become a member because at the start of it all, when Gordon started doing this in the 80s it you know there wasn't 100 percent players who were you know sort of members of the PFA yeah but with, with, with the work Gordon was doing and the the advantages of being part of that you know he got then everybody hundred percent of the players now became part of the union yeah. and it wasn't a great deal of money. We paid for it. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, even today, it's not a lot of money compared to what the players are earning. Yeah. yeah. There's no, there's no sort of, uh, there's no, like the players yeah. in the premier league pay the same as the players in the, the, the second division. Yeah. Yeah. That's the union fees. There's no like sort of uh, pro rata just yeah. because you're earning like uh, 5 million pound a year. Yeah. Yeah. You're not now being asked to pay a bigger fee from the PFA point of view. Mm-hmm. But what what was really good is that they they, they, they set up uh, a, a a players cash benefit scheme with the football league and the FA in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Uh, and, and what was what was really good about this is that as a player, yeah, one of the big things is that you know most players might retire probably around 35 if yes. they had a good career. Yep. And then what do you do after that? Yeah, there was, you know, if if now, you know, you you've got to wait for your pension at at sixty five. Yeah. Uh, you've got a long way, and in between then, you've got to find yourself a job, which had probably a, a lot of the time had nothing to do with what you'd been doing before. Yeah. So, they set up this benefit scheme. You know, again, it was obviously Gordon because Gordon was, you know, really behind the economics of the of, of the PFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 so what happened was is that then when you reached 35 as a player and you retired from the game, you could actually start drawing a pension. Yeah. So that that was my case. So from the age of 35, we used to we would pay in before tax into this into the scheme a certain amount. Does, you're only allowed a certain amount, obviously based on your wages and everything. Yeah. yeah a percentage of it. And it, so from 35 to today, I I still get. My pension, yeah, from from uh, from the PFA that yeah. was set up then. Now, you know, if I had set that up, yeah, then then I would have the, the money that you know that I've been getting has been a real godsend because although I've I've had jobs over the years, yeah, i I've, I've, I've never I never ever came up to the same level as when I was playing. To yeah. be honest, in my later years, so having that scheme was fantastic it doesn't happen now because obviously the players, because you see a 35, a lot of players came out of the game with nothing. Mm. Right. So, but if they had a little pension to come out with now, because they put in, you know, payments from, from the wages they've been earning, you know, most of the time it would be like your bonuses. Yeah. yeah. So you put your bonus. Yeah. Into, into the scheme. Uh, and, and so it would give you something at the end of it. So that was, again, something really essential to the players where Gordon was thinking about, you know, how can we help the players when they get to 35? Yeah. yeah, and so and so and so it went on, you know. And as I say today, it's 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 totally different uh, from the point of what they do. But so in '86, the footballers' further education and vocational training scheme it was called, yeah, which was called FFE plus VTS was initiated. So that was in '86 when Gordon put this. This uh, the, the the educational scheme together, which was now going to support the YTs, the scholars in the football club. And, and you know, it, it, it goes on. In 86, the football and the community sh- scheme was formed by FFE and VTS as well. You know, so un- incredible things were happening. What is it? Members can apply to the association for grants towards tuition and book costs for courses leading to any recognised qualification. Between July 2006 and July 2007, the department processed a total of 783 such individual grants, totaling almost half a million pounds. Mm. Players at all levels participated. In 2007, Darren Ferguson, Martin Allen, Les Ferdinand, Steve Odge, successfully completed a certificate of applied management at Warwick University, while Daniel Gabrielson, ex-Wigan athletic, achieved a first in the Bachelor of Science in Physiotherapy at Salford University. So the days when graduate footballers like Steve Iway could be treated as quaint curios seemed to be long gone. So the so the educational side was 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 a big thing. And so the players could apply, they could get they could get grants for them, you see. And it and it, it, it just it just went on and on and on, you know. Uh, 1994 the pfa commissioned a inquiry into coaching practices worldwide accumulating in a 1995 report kicking the right direction which called for greater consultation between the fa and the pfa in player and coach development it stressed the need for greater involvement from coaches who have played the game at professional level rather than former school teams. the association was subsequently asked to nominate former players to sit on the five liaison committees of the FA's Centers of Excellence. In 1996, it decided to employ players who had qualified as FA coaches on a full time basis to provide coaching service to professional clubs. That was me. Yeah, that was me. Helping other players and ex players who wished to become coaches. A year later, a freestanding PFA coaching department was established. Originally overseen by ex-Man man City forward Paul Power, and subsequently by Jimmy Ortonfield, yeah, uh, <clears throat> who was also the FA's technical the FA's technical consultant, yeah. So, you know, it was it was things that were happening all the time, Paul, and this continued throughout this continued throughout Gordon's tenure, yeah, as as the man in charge of the PFA, and what he what he did for it, yeah. Was was which keep which which keep the focus of what it was all about, and that was protecting the players. Yeah, and that's what it still does today. It helps and protects the players. So, when people like Chris Sutton, you know, sort of talk about, you know, uh, he came out with very emotive uh, uh, sort of talk about blood on his hands yeah. just recently. Yeah. You know, because again, it was emotion that was coming out of him. And yeah. and I, I read, I'd, I thought I'd just check up on the conversations that Gordon's had. And I went on the internet and looked at it. And Gordon, you know, when you talk to him, you know, he, he's very calm. He never gets angry. I mean,
1: yeah. He's always come across that way, hasn't he, he, like, he, yeah. he, he? He's,
2: you know, I've, I've heard him so many times on uh, Radio 5 when Nicky Campbell was trying to bait him. You know, and he he just he just wouldn't raise the debate, and and he was a real diplomat in that way. You know, and and, and so you know, when when I see an ex-player, you know, having a go at Gordon and and, and talk that way, I just feel they need to be educated a little bit more into what the PFA does. Yeah. You know, the emotion of this dementia thing is really getting to a lot of people because it's getting a lot of, it's get. I talk to all my ex-players, yeah, you know, all my ex-mates. Yeah. yeah? And and none of us, none of us think that the PFA, yeah, uh, have done anything wrong, Mm. yeah, uh, to do with anything to do with with illness. I mean, the PFA, I mean, a couple of things I've done. uh, A couple of years ago, uh, I was asked to to be part of a survey on looking at players' ankles and knees. Yeah, And I had x-rays on my knees and my ankles, yeah, all paid for by the PFA, just to see how we are. Now... If you wanted to now talk about, you know, sort of uh, injuries that you get from playing, from doing the job you do, then I think footballers could actually complain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the training we did. Yeah. The running we did. You know, but it was all it was all part of something that we enjoyed, Paul. And the injections
1: that you were given. Yeah,
2: you know, we weren't yeah. people working down a coal mine. Yeah. Yeah we we were we were, we, were, we were living a life we wanted to live mm-hmm. and we were enjoying it and we were getting paid decent money for it you know yeah. like the players of today you know we talk about them being overused and you know and players but but they've, they've today <clears throat> football clubs have got so much more support to help their players keep their fitness yeah, yeah or to look at you know, uh, any stresses that are being put on the body, mm. you know, because, you know, the top clubs now have got the best people working for them yep. to make sure because they want the best players on the football pitch, you know, so it's, you know, for, for, for me, I, I just feel that, like, you know, you you've got to know a little bit more about a person and what they've done instead of now just jumping on a bandwagon and being very emotional about it because of something that might have happened to one in your family. And and to me, as I said earlier on, I think Gordon, yeah, really deserves people to push the fact that he really needs now, yeah, people behind him and recognizing the job he did and putting all these things out that that you know he's done over the last forty years and saying this man deserves more. Than what some people are actually doing at the moment and i just feel so strongly about it yeah you know but i don't <clears throat> you know people like me you know I, where do i get a voice now to be able to push gordon taylor
1: you've just got one
2: well i've got one now yeah which yeah. is great hmm. you know i've got one now but 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 <clears throat> you know it's like a lot of things you just hope then that someone else will take up yeah that that sort of uh relay button
1: I yeah. think what it is, when, when we first started talking um, about Gordon, and I did say it was a little bit of what did the Romans do for us, and, and I think what happens is the media drive a narrative and people just look at that and that's all that they see. But when people listen to your opinions, your knowledge, your views, your... Um, the. the how, how you've lived through being a, a player, being a former player, working for and with the Professional Footballers Association, they might just think, but well, you know what? Why is it that all we ever get is a negative connotation of what Gordon Taylor has done, but we never get the other side of the coin? Why is no. that? And, no. and I think it's healthy when players like you give the other side of the coin, because for every head on that coin, there's tails as well. There are two sides to the coin, but we only ever seem to get the one side, and that's imbalanced, and that's unfair.
2: It is unfair.
1: But, yeah, it is unfair, Dennis, but, you know, sadly, that's the way it is, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it, 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 it is the way. And, and um, you know, and when you, when you, as I say, go back to this book that I mentioned about, you know, the, the PFA, yeah, uh, what what they did, like it's there's I am looking at this book and there was a poster went up. Do you remember when David Boost Yes, broke, yeah, he,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: He, he broke his leg. Remember that, yeah. that that horrific challenge, mm-hmm. yeah. And and there's a there's a picture of it, a massive poster that went up. Players put their limbs on the line every Saturday, the PFA pick up the piece. Yeah. And it's got like PFA fighting for the players' rights. And there's quite a few of those. There's a bit of a campaign that that was going on, actually, because there was, there was lots of, you know, obviously the Premier League was, was coming into play and uh, all about money and television rights. Yep. And Gordon, you know, he was, he, was, he was keen to make sure that the PFA didn't miss out on it. Uh, and the interesting thing was, is that people don't realise as well, is that he, he, he nearly, he put himself forward, or he was put forward, yeah, to become chief executive. Uh, uh, what was it, Graham Kelly? Yeah, yeah, who, yeah if, you if you remember. I, yeah, I remember him. Well, he was he was he was going to leave the football league and uh, in early 1989 to, to to become chief executive of the FA, yeah. uh, and there were moves moves went on for Gordon Taylor to replace him. Yeah. Yeah. So Gordon now was a man in demand yeah. uh, because he was well capable of doing it. But it's quite interesting. There there was an immediate outcry. Three league management committee members, John Smith of Liverpool, Doug Ellis of Aston Villa, oh. and Robert Chase of Norwich, were determined to oppose Taylor's appointment, even though Fox insisted that he had the backing of the clubs. I have been elected for the 92 league clubs, and my platform included Gordon Taylor. Now, the guy Fox we're talking about was, uh, where is he now? Yeah, I'm trying to think. He was he was obviously some someone to do with the football league. Yeah. Uh probably the general secretary or something. And as far as he was concerned, he felt that Gordon was the right man for the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but he was uh he never got that job. But what happened was is that because of the, the uh he he did want he did say he would take it, but he he'd actually just signed a five year contract with the PFA. Yeah. Uh and but but the committee, and when you when you look at the people that sat on the committee, you know, at the PFA, it was uh, the hastily convened PFA Management Committee attended by Nigel Spackman, Colin right. Gibson, Trevor Morgan, Garth Crooks, and David Mercer, the PFA lawyer, were adamant that Taylor must stay. Crooks explained, events since last Friday have satisfied the committee that Gordon could not be guaranteed the support and backing he enjoys at the PFA if he joined the league. Gordon fully understands and accepts our reasoning. He has set a marvellous example to everyone in football that that contracts are there to be honoured by all. Yeah. So, you know, he he wasn't getting the support by the, from the football league. So, you know, the committee decided that well, we want him here. Yeah. We want him to stay. Mm. And uh, and Gordon stayed. You know, and 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 so on and so forth. And you know then he became a member of fifa uh, you know and and he's, he's, he, he he was he was a man who people wanted to talk to yeah. <clears throat> he had he had a great way of of bargaining and and talking to people and and you know and it's quite interesting because as i say I was reading on the uh, on the internet just earlier about you know he, he had a a meeting uh with with one of the people who was you know sort of about this dementia thing and they weren't happy with Gordon's uh, attitude within the meeting it's probably because he didn't get into an argument yeah <laughs> he probably just sat there and was so matter of fact yeah. that the person who was talking to him was probably expecting him to get angry mm. so that they could have a they could have a slanging match and then he could go away and say you know i was beaten up by Gordon Taylor yeah. you know but 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 that's not the case Gordon Gordon would never be like that, you know. He's uh, and just in the paper today, you know, in the Telegraph, there's uh, an article about it. there's 276 former players now have been diagnosed with dementia. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is what the players' union said, and as the chief executive denied being asleep at the wheel on the risk of having the ball. So, you know, the, uh, what Gordon's been doing is that they've been fully aware of everything. Mm. Yeah. And he's not been asleep. He says that uh, during because he went to a, a in front of a committee yesterday. Yeah, did yeah, the, yeah. The, the digital culture, media and sport committee. Yeah, yeah. And uh, during a grilling by MPs, Taylor was said Taylor also suggested that it was ridiculous of a of a scientist to suggest football's response to the heading crisis was a shambles. Mm. Yeah, it, and you know as Gordon knows is that uh, you know he. He's at the forefront of it, yeah, and he knows what's going on, and he doesn't—he doesn't need, you know, doctors and all that now being, uh, you know, sort of pushing out there false information again that they're not aware of and what's been going on just because they want a headline, yeah, and it's all headlines, mm. you know. It, these these kind of things are all about grabbing the headline, and and uh, you know, and and from that point of view, you know, that's why Gordon's so good, yeah. He said, "It's a very emotive subject." This is Gordon said Taylor of Sutton's criticism. Chris Sutton is one of those people I speak to in a civilized manner. Yeah. I tried to explain. He, he was offered help in regards to his father, who's, who was a contemporary of his when I was when he was playing. He was offered the chance to come in, see what we were doing, and what we plan to do in the future. Mm. So we, you know, so Gordon's given him that opportunity, yeah, to come and talk about it, but. I think they just don't want to be, uh, they, they don't they want to feel as if that what they're doing uh, has been all wrong. Yeah. And they don't want to apologise. Yeah. And it's difficult when you've got to apologise to somebody who you've really had a go at yeah, and have, have criticised, uh, but you've not really got the facts. So, you know, people like Chris Sutton need to understand that the PFA, I don't know why he's got a grudge against this. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to know why he's taken up this crusade yeah.
1: yeah he certainly seemed to on social media as well didn't Absolute, he yeah have yeah that's right
2: a, yeah. yeah he's taken up a crusade mm. yeah which uh, which from my point of view yeah it's always it's always people who have got you know something i think to say that's uh putting people down you know and it's the the, the minority get a voice yeah where the majority just think well we know what's true mm. yes yeah? We don't really need to say anything, but I just feel like, you know, from my point of view, I'm, I'm, I'm a really big supporter of Gordon and I know what he's done for the PFA. And I really feel that people should be on his case and support him.
1: Well, listening uh, to you, Dennis, um, I don't know about uh, an honour or a knighthood, I think they should be putting a statue up of of Gordon Taylor for Mm. what he's done for former players. And I know for a fact, because I I speak to Alan a lot, he's he's helped Alan out, and Mm. and I think that what, what, what tends to happen and what has happened is there's been an awful lot of what Gordon Taylor, in their opinions, hasn't done But again, going back to the coin scenario, you don't hear of anything that Gordon Taylor has done. And he he has done an awful lot since 1982. And if he was that bad, he surely wouldn't have stayed in office for that long. And what would Gordon's legacy be as as he leaves office? Because... I I think we could probably go on for another two hours and my phone will probably explode again (laughs) because there's that many. If you're looking at fours and you're looking at pros and cons, aren't you, and fours and against, and I think that the fours with Gordon Taylor at the PFA will outweigh the against unbelievably.
2: Oh, that's right. Well, if you if you if you look at the history of FA. absolutely. You know I mean? so I, I, the, the, the Facebook that, that they brought out, uh, I remember was was called the Good of the Game, yeah. the official history of Professional football Association. And again, I you know this one came out when I was actually working with the PFA, yeah. and it, it really is you know another illustration of, of of what the PFA is all about, and that's what Gordon was all about. I think it's a, it's an apt title for the Good yeah. of the Game. And that's what Gordon's been trying to do. Yeah, he's not. Bad. He's he's not been trying to rip fans off. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been he's been trying to make a footballer's life. And what happens after he's finished playing football? Yeah, one that's good. Yeah, yeah. one that they can uh, they they can. So when they stop playing football, they can they if, if anything does happen and they need some support from the PFA. The PFA are there to do that. And yeah. there's a limit to what they can do. Yeah, of course. yeah because. If everyone wanted now to have massive operations and all that which you know is uh, which is cost prohibitive mm-hmm. you know uh, then then the, and, and there was lots of it then the PFA would soon run out of money but yeah. there's a balance to everything, Paul yeah, you know and says. that balance is where the PFA's money goes and it's uh, it's spread quite very widely you know over the football game and you know I've mentioned the things where it, 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 it was it was really successfully. Yep. and you know people want to know about gordon tail and the pfa then they need to read a little bit more about it and what the man's done and uh you see the man the man doesn't force himself on people you know he's he's not someone out there now you know sort of uh in the paper every day uh trying to justify what the pfa are doing yes. from the point of view of the dementia thing he's he just responds you know to what people say about it yep. so but, but he's not he's not going to go out there I, I, and and sort of shout from his uh, soapbox, you know, about what the PFA are doing. Because if you know about the field, know what they're doing, yeah, for players. And I certainly know what they do for players. And if ever I needed them, I know where to go, you know, as a next player. They look after me. I I haven't played football now, you know. I've not been a. I'm always a member of the PFA, yeah, because I played uh, football. So it, it it never stops working for me. And and I, and that's why I feel what Gordon's. Put done for the PFA is is uh, <clears throat> it's all for the good of the game yeah and uh, I think for me I just feel that like his legacy should be better explored yeah uh, when he does leave so when he does leave at the end of this <clears throat> you know there needs to be a lot out there a lot of people out there sort of uh, pushing what he's done yeah and not what happened just recently more foremost in people's minds. it's about what he's done in those 40 years and and everything should be itemised so that people have got a better opinion of it.
1: There certainly should be a lot more balance, Dennis, and I think that you have put a fantastic case across for uh, Gordon Taylor and anybody listening to this podcast will be a little bit more educated and when the great man leaves his office, let's hope there's a lot more positivity than negativity but with the media as it is today negativity sells papers and it appears to be what the narrative is but um but you've put the you've put the record straight mate and we will reconvene in a couple of weeks time And we will do another Morty's Mixtapes where we're going to talk about the Youth Cup because Vaston Villa have got to the semi-final of the Youth Cup. You you played in the Youth Cup final in 1970 against uh, Graham Souness and Steve Perryman. So we're going to leave that on the back burner for the next episode. And anything in that time that you uh, want to talk about, we will uh, bring it to the fore.
2: Yes, and we didn't even get round to the Super League.
1: We certainly didn't, but in a couple of weeks' time, we're we're looking at tonight that we've got the European Cup, well, the Champions League semi-final, and in May, uh, we're going to be celebrating uh, Aston Villa winning the European Cup final. So we can roll it all into the next episode of Morty's Mixtapes, and I'm also expecting another mixtape. From <laughs> Sir Dennis Mortimer. Good stuff, Paul. Cheers, pal. Thanks a lot. Thanks and, a lot. and we've also got on the next one, uh, Co Papelli as well. So we've got three yes. talking points yes. plus a little bit of what's going on in the meantime as well. Can I thank you, sir, for your time tonight?
2: And it's been a pleasure, Paul. It's been it's, an absolute it's nice pleasure to have a voice. It's, it's nice to have a voice. Well, like okay, I've please. said to you,
1: like I said to you, Dennis. Anytime you want the voice. You've only got to tell me. I'll phone you up and we'll record it. And that goes for all of the players that you played for, uh, played with in that class of 81 and 82 and the celebrations of 40 years ago. Sure, hopefully is next, but whether it be Ken, whether it be Des, whether it be Alan, whether it be whoever, I'm there for all of you to record your memories of a fantastic feat of uh, of football in this area. Good stuff. Cheers, pal. Till next time. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. And and thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Up the villa. (laughs) I'll get killed for that. (laughs) Cheers, pal. Hello. Thanks, Dennis. Bye-bye.
2: Planning for your next trip?